Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Thank you, Dave, uh, for that uh, very gracious introduction. And uh, I just want to give a, a very uh, heartfelt thanks to this church. Um, transitions in life are, are ne- never that easy. And uh, our family is going through a lot of changes all at once. And uh, we were kind of church hopping for a while. Um, and it was during that time that Dave uh, just gave a warm invitation uh, to come to Harvest, um, adopt us. Uh, as your home church, at least for the time being. And uh, many of you have warmly welcomed us and uh, shown us uh, the love of Christ. And we really want to thank you for that. Uh, It's been great uh, to be able to come and worship and make friends. And the snacks are awesome too, so we're really, really happy about that. I just want to look at a few verses this morning. Uh, Genesis 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up. I don't know if... Okay, there we go. High-tech church, all right. Genesis 12, 1 to 3, and I've titled uh, this morning's message, uh, A Call to Journey. And um, let's go ahead, and I'll read that for us. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You know, I think uh, so many of us, when we think about the Christian life, uh, so many times see it as a single event. Uh, It's that time when Uh, we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and became a Christian. And many times we think of that event as the essence of um, our Christian life. Or maybe a series of events, a revival meeting, a particular church service, or um, a Bible study that we attend. But when we look at the scriptures, we do see that the Christian life, this life of faith, is much more than just a single event or a series of random events. But when we look at the Bible, it's really more about a lifelong journey that God calls us to and invites us into. I'm sure Pastor Davis talked a lot about uh, the redemption story, uh, that the Bible is God's story of him uh, seeking and saving the lost and redeeming uh, people like you and me. And I just want to spend a few minutes this morning uh, looking at these few verses in Genesis 12, a passage that probably for a lot of us uh, may be a little bit familiar. The first thing, I, being a, a Presbyterian minister, I have three points. So here's my first one. Is that it's a journey. What is this journey about? It's a journey of new beginnings. Listen to these words as we've just read. Leave your country your people, your father's household, and go to the land, I will show you. A lot of times we have this picture that 
Abram, Abraham lived in a time that was like the Stone Age, like the Flintstones. And they lived in some cave. But in actuality, where he was from was a quite advanced culture. There was a thriving commerce. It was a well-established trade route. There was arts. They actually had a very sophisticated religion. His life in Ur was probably very comfortable. It was culturally rich, diverse, dynamic, but it was also very corrupt, full of superstition, magic, even religious prostitution. Think about that, that one day God interrupts his life suddenly, without even saying hello or a greeting, but these words, leave everything that you've known in your life and come journey with me. Place yourself in Abram's shoes. How would he have felt hearing these words from God? Shock, disbelief, anger, doubt. I think we have to be careful when we look at the Bible not to over-spiritualize the Bible characters as super sinless saints. They were just as human as us, just as weak as us, just as sinful as us. And in the midst of their weakness, God interrupts their lives. And in this case, is inviting Abraham into a new journey, into his life. Think about these three things that God is asking Abraham to experience. Leave your country, your people, your father's household. Those three things, his nationality or his ethnicity, his community, his friends, and his family. It's all three things that define a person. And he's asking Abram to leave those things behind. He's nearly 80 years old. He owned no land, didn't have a single child of his own. In fact, as God uh, interrupts Abraham's life, it was really a call for him to die. In order, ironically, in order that he would find true life. One commentator put it like this, that Abram will be set free from the drag of a familiar culture which would be positively harmful and detrimental to any new start. The break with this family would minimize the influence of ancestral traditions in so far as these were idolatrous. God was doing something very new, not only in Abraham's life and his immediate family, but in the whole plan that God had to save the world his plan of grace. Abram was not a super saint when God interrupted his life. God was calling him to a brand new beginning. As I thought about Abraham's context and the life that he probably experienced uh, for almost uh, 80 years, his family background, his community, the culture in which he lived in, You think about Abram's father. He was, if I could say very crassly, a pagan idolater. Him and his entire family and all the people that he surrounded himself with were living so far from the true God. This was his family. And in the midst of that, and this is the kind of person that Abram was, God chose him to start a new legacy, a new faith, a new family, 
that would impact the world for generations to come and eventually give birth to our Savior, Jesus. And I try to think about the context of what exactly can we take away from that. And I think it speaks powerfully. There are two applications from this first point I want to share this morning. Is that no matter what kind of family that you are from, no matter what kind of past marks your life, God's journey that He invites us to always is one of a new beginning, a willingness to give us a new legacy, to become a new generation for God. Not in our own strength or by our own goodness, but by the power of God. He desires to recreate us, renew us, restore us, and reinvent our lives. And so often when we think about maybe in some of the families that we grew up with, or unbelieving parents, or the things that we have done in our past, even quite recently, even last night, and it's a miracle that we may be even here Sunday morning, God's power can break the cycle of sin, of unbelief. It can transform our lives. We are not ultimately defined by our past, our background, our upbringing. The power of God is such that it can break into our life and allow us to experience a new beginning. For some of us who grew up in very uh, godly homes, uh, this may not hit us as hard, but I believe that all of us sometime in our lives will desperately need a fresh new start, a new beginning, even as long-time believers. It's a message of hope as we think about God working in Abram's life. Because all of us eventually are going to crash. All of us eventually are going to fail, to mess up, to be racked with sin and failure. The Bible's message and the gospel always reminds us that God is always willing to offer us a new beginning as we continue on in this journey with Him. I'm more encouraged by the sin and failures of the people that I read about in the Bible than the outstanding, great things that they are doing for God. I identify with them a lot more. One pastor wrote this, uh, Oswald Sanders, who I had a chance to meet a few years before he died, he was a chaplain for a well-known mission agency. And he writes that most Bible characters met with failure and survived. Even when the failure was immense, they refused to lie in the dust and bemoan their tragedy. In fact, their failure and repentance led to a great conception of God's grace. They came to know the God, I love this, of second chances and sometimes even the third and fourth. I believe some of us sitting here this morning really need to hear this message, including myself. No matter where we have come from, what we have done, even this morning, God offers us a chance to join in this new journey and experience a new beginning. This is the power and the grace of our God. I think a second thing, and I mentioned this in passing, about this journey, not only is it a journey that we see of new beginnings when God works in our lives, but indeed it is a journey to transformation. In Genesis 12, so often, the messages that I've heard when Genesis 12, 1-3 is preached, is often 
We have to run away from all the sources of temptation in our lives, negative relationships, friends, isolate those things if you really want to be a Christian and grow, maybe just for a season. And that's why God called Abram out of his ancestral home to cut him off on those things. I think there's some truth to that. But I think the danger of that is that if we are not careful, we'll end up thinking that to live as a Christian is to live in a Christian ghetto where Christianity becomes a sect. We become ingrown. We just hang out with one another and we forget about the dying world around us. And that is not our calling. And that's what I I do not think this passage is about. I don't think also that this passage is just about leaving your comfort zones. And whenever we look at Genesis 12 and we look at Abraham and God sending him out, we often think that it's about him getting uncomfortable. But you know, when I look at the scriptures, I don't think God is against comfort. Praise God. It describes God as a God of comfort, and we comfort those with the comfort that we received from Christ. But what I think this passage is about and what God is doing in Abram's life as well is in our lives, it's not about isolating ourselves from our friends or temptations. It's not about leaving the comfort zones of our lives, but it's to get us in a place in our lives where all the false trusts that we hold on to so desperately are violently uprooted out of our lives. Functional saviors. Things that we cling on to to find that meaning, purpose, identity in our lives. Things that we should be receiving from God directly and instead we get them from other things. I was reminded of this um, an email from a former church member who just moved to New York from Chicago to take a new job. And he wrote this to me. Um, every day is full of stress and uncertainty. Well, that's what you get from moving to New York, from Chicago. (laughs) But it's just hard to make it here, he writes. I feel that even though I work so hard, it is hard for me to make it here. I really want to do well professionally and make more money and honestly to be somebody in the financial industry. That short email that he sent me reveals not only his struggle, but I think so many of ours. I think the journey that God is calling us and inviting us in the Christian life, even today, is a journey for us to be transformed. And how does that happen? Yes, there's an element of moving away from temptation and out of our comfort zone, but God wants us to get us into that place where the false trusts in our life are exposed, and they can begun to become rooted out. I'm one of those guys that got married a little bit later in life, and my kids are pretty young, though I'm 40 years old, uh, just a little bit younger than Dave. Uh, I was a, a, I don't know, I guess a committophobic, let's be honest here, uh, regarding marriage. And... Uh, um, you know, these guys' prayer requests for me every time we got together with our friends is, you know, please uh, get married. And I remember uh, one trip that myself and the closest pastor friends, we were down in Florida, 
We're all soaking in a hot tub together. I know that sounds weird, but uh, I have to reveal all here. And their sole mission was to convince me uh, with the girl that uh, his brother introduced to me uh, to finally tie the knot and get married. And uh, even then, uh, I hesitated um, for several more months until finally uh, Kathy uh, gave me an ultimatum and said, DTR, what's going on here? Do you have an answer yet? I said, "Uh, I'm I'm not ready yet. And she said, I'll take that as a no. Please take me home. It was nice knowing you. And she was serious. And that week was a week of many heartache and a little bit of tears. And at the end of the week, I finally said, all right, let's go for it. And we started to, uh, well, I proposed, and then, <laughs> and then we got married. I remember uh, when uh, we were at Northwestern Memorial um, getting ready to, um, uh, well, Kathy was getting ready to give birth to our first child, our daughter, Ella. And uh, we took the classes, uh, we read all the books, um, and uh, we put her in the warm shower for a while, try to relax as she was going into labor. Uh, that relaxed her too much, and she was falling asleep. <laughs> so that was, that was a bad idea. And uh, so I remember from class, you know, uh, try to walk around, and the baby, the gravity will take effect, the baby will come down a little quicker. And uh, I remember as uh, we were walking together uh, down the uh, hallway in the hospital, she started, uh, it, started it really worked. The <laughs> baby started to drop, and she started to enter into that transition, uh, often the most painful time of the labor process. And I remember, uh, you know, I was scared, I was freaking out, I was excited. And uh, it was interesting as Kathy and I were walking together and as the baby was descending, she kept on crying out, you know, Peter, help me. Peter, help me. Peter, help me. And I, you know, I didn't know what else to do. I said, all right, I'll help you. I'll do my best. I don't know what to do. I just hugged her and loved on her and prayed for her. And as the baby uh, got closer, it was so interesting that we finally were uh, in the position to, or she was getting ready to push, not me. And her, uh, in a sense, words and requests changed to, she forgot about me. And she began to cry out to God in a prayer that I had never heard with such intensity, God, help me. God, help me. Not that quietly, she was screaming very loud, very, very loud. God, help me. And, you know, the baby eventually came and it was great. But watching my wife go through that experience, of course, I fell in love with her even more deeply after seeing her give birth to our first child and then eventually to our second one. But it reminded me and it spoke to me um, as I was seeing her in the pain that she was in, in that experience of life that even I as her husband could not even begin to understand what she was going through. When her prayer was initially, Peter, help me, I'm scared, what, can, what should I do, and all these things. In the depth of her experience and pain of life, in that time when she's about to give birth, her prayer changed from Peter, help me, pray for me, to God, you are the only one, help me. And that burned a memory into my heart of what God is so often trying to do in our lives, of uprooting even the closest relationship out of our lives so that we are in that place where we look to God alone and say, God, help me in my life. I have nothing and no one else. 
I believe that that's what God was trying to do in Abram's life. And it's an experience that God so much wants for us because he wants to help us experience that transformation that only he can do in our lives. I love what John Orberg writes in one of his books. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Your boat is whatever represents safety and security to take you apart from God himself. Your boat is whatever keeps you so comfortable that you don't want to give it up, even if it's keeping you from joining Jesus on the waves. Your boat is whatever pulls you away from the high adventure of extreme discipleship or the alternative. Get up in the morning, go to work, come home, eat supper, watch TV, retire, and die. What an alternative that John Wilbur paints for us. What is God doing in your life? What invitation in this journey that he is offering to us this morning is he doing in our lives to expose those false trusts, those things that we are holding on to, in order to get us absolutely alone and isolated, that we cling to God and God alone in the midst of that pain? And I know in a few minutes, uh, Pastor Dave will come and share a little bit of uh, what's happening uh, in our lives. And This uh, past year has been, um, I don't know, how do I describe it? Uh, one of those time periods in your life where craziness is not even enough to describe uh, what uh, me and my family have been through uh, the, this past year. We uh, had planted a church in the city of Chicago, uh, originally in Lincoln Park, and then moved it to the West Loop. And we, after an arduous journey and challenging times of both joys and sorrows, uh, we were getting ready to uh, finish up training our first set of elders. Things were moving along well. Um, I really sensed that God was uh, opening a new chapter uh, in my life as well as my family. And as we made a hard decision to think about transitioning out of our uh, ministry, we were at the same time uh, getting ready to receive our son, our second child, born this past summer in June. We decided to uh, turn the church over to a new pastor. We had put our house on the market and as some of you who are trying to sell your home now know it is torture, and it took us uh, almost a year uh, to finally sell our condo in the city. I was looking at uh, leaving my church, my ministry was also my job, heading toward unemployment, giving birth to, well, Kathy giving birth to our son, Jonathan. I often give my credit, um, myself too much credit for <laughs> some of those things going through a life transition of our family, not knowing where we were going to worship, um, not even sure where we were going to live. Um, and being a, a pastor and not having your own church, that's a very, very hard thing uh, to go through. All these things were hitting us at once. And Kathy even reevaluating. She was a nurse uh, down at Children's Memorial for many years. And all these transitions and things were being put right before us and God was literally taking away a little bit of everything out of our lives. 
it was a very scary time, unlike anything that I've been through uh, all my adult and even youth years. I'll share with you in a few moments kind of how things began to turn out. What is God doing to expose some of those false trusts in your life? When God intervenes and uh, welcomes us into a relationship with him, he will not leave us alone because he has a vision to see us transformed into the image of his son. Thirdly and finally, we'll move along quickly here, what about this journey that we see? Indeed, it is one where God is always opening up a new beginning for us. Secondly, we've heard that whenever God calls us to journey, it is about transformation as he exposes those things that are our false trust in our lives. And thirdly and finally, what's great about this journey that God has invited us to or is inviting you now is that it is a journey with a guaranteed finish. If you look in my life or visit my home, my life is full of various unfinished projects, hobbies that I got excited about for a few moments and then dropped, uh, projects started with great enthusiasm and are sitting on the shelf uh, collecting dust. Uh, being a minister, I love uh, buying books, as I think Pastor Dave does as well, and I begin uh, to read them with vigor the first few chapters, and then I have ADD, I think. I just cannot get past the first chapter or two in many of these books, but I still keep on buying them because something exciting about a fresh new book relationships in my life where people I will meet, I'll call you later, let's get together, let's hang out, and it never takes place. But when God invites us into a journey with him, and he invites a community to journey with him, he always finishes what he starts. And that's one of the strongest reasons I hear of people being so hesitant about going to church or thinking about exploring what Christianity means or growing in their faith. They often say, I'm so sick of failing and falling away, I don't even want to start. But listen to God's words to Abraham in verses 2 and 3. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. There's nothing special about Abraham. God just called him. He wasn't even seeking diligently after God. God found him. And his call came to him in Abraham's life in a time of great weakness and frailty and a very unsatisfied life, being almost 80 years old and not having anything to his name, not even having that precious child, which meant everything in that time and culture. And yet, the journey that God calls Abraham to join is marked from beginning to end with those words, I will do it, I will do it, I will do it. Sarah was barren. He was heading toward his 80s. The land that they were called to go to was occupied by the Canaanites. And one commentator put it like this, God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist taught Abraham in all succeeding generations to trust him to fulfill his word despite all adverse indications. It is the situations of human helplessness that provide occasion for God's power to be demonstrated and recognized. This journey 
that God, God is calling Abraham onto is one in which he himself has already completed for him. It is the truth of the gospel spoken so clearly in what Paul writes in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, one of the verses that during a time where I really began to doubt my calling into ministry and even began to question my faith as things were collapsing all around me, not this season, but several years ago in a different ministry situation, it was God's words that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. It is not that we try to figure out where God fits into our life journey, but rather it's how our miniature journeys fit into the great plan of God's great journey. It begins and it ends with him. Jesus says, my father was given them to me, the sheep. He is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. When we look at the great narratives of Scripture, when we look at Abraham in this case, we don't want to preach the text as what a great example of faith Abraham has. Let's emulate him. Let's follow him. Because he messed up greatly. He struggled with fear. He lied. He took matters into his own hands. He was not a great example of faith when you look at the totality of his life. Although there are great things that God was doing. But it's about God working in his life. I will accomplish all this, Abraham. What a great encouraging message that we can take away even this morning. We do not have to be a spiritual giant to become a follower of God and to journey with him. We just need to begin to follow him. God will make us into one. And I think it reflects an understanding of church church's message as we think about reaching our community and people around us and inviting our friends and neighbors should never be clean up your life first, get it together, look good, get it right, and then as you become decent, come into our fellowship, come into our church. But that message always needs to be wherever you are, whatever you're doing, no matter what you did last night, come join us and see what God will do in your life. And that change will begin to happen. in conclusion, just a few thoughts I wanted to share. The Christian life is not just one or two big events that happen, but it is a journey. It's a pilgrimage into the heart and life of God, Dallas Willard writes. When we begin to understand that it is not just about certain events that happened in the past, but it's about a sacred romance it is the beauty of this journey. It is a joyful experience that God is concerned absolutely about everything in our lives. I think so often when we think about spiritual growth, we always ask ourselves, are you having your quiet times? How much are you praying? How much are you reading scriptures? And I was challenged even this past week to think that that is not the best way to think about the journey that God has us on. Rather, and these two questions, am I growing more easily discouraged these days? And secondly, am I growing more easily irritated these days? 
those two questions and the answers to those will reveal so much more about how our journey is going than how much are we praying, how much are we reading the Word of God. I believe that a clear understanding of the heart of this message that God invites us to a journey, a lifelong experience with him, is something not only just for ourselves, but is something I believe that God is calling us to understand and live out because there are so many people all around us that are literally dying to know what journey of life they should be on. I think so often we are afraid to take uh, a step into that journey because of guilt, because of fear, because of shame. But the gospel reminds us as we look at the scriptures that God sent one who traveled on the greatest journey from the glories of heaven into the brokenness of our world deeply and completed that journey for us so that we could be with him. Rather than us thinking that it all relies upon us, a realization that Jesus already journeyed right to us and gave his life upon that cross, that we can be confident that when we enter that journey with him, we will not be rejected, we will not fail. It has already been accomplished for us. I love this quote that has spoken to me over the years. The lesson, Dr. Stephen Evans writes, is that if you think a good case can be made for Christianity and you want to become a Christian, but somehow you just can't believe, simply start to act like a Christian. You should begin to pray. You should meet with other Christians. Practice in public worship. Study the Bible. Try to follow its teachings as best you can, and you may soon find yourself actually believing. Our journeys are not just an individual thing, but indeed it is something that God calls us to to experience, not in isolation, but in community. Our journeys affect one another greatly. I remember in the early 90s, I believe it was the first or second year of studying out in Philadelphia in seminary, I remember getting a call from Dave as he was down living in Atlanta uh, studying in his Ph.D. program. And I remember Dave sharing with me over the phone that he felt that God was calling him into full-time ministry. I'll be very honest here. (laughs) I had a range of mixed emotions. I didn't know whether to laugh or to cry, to rejoice or be sad for my brother for the decision that he was making. And soon after that, he literally showed up at our doorsteps and um, we didn't... We were a bunch of guys all uh, living in an apartment, and he became my bunkmate very quickly and made room for him as he showed up with his bags soon after. And I share that uh, because it's a story that I'll never forget because even in that little decision, or actually a huge decision that Dave made so many years ago in his own journey with God, that what is happening here at Harvest is a tremendous fruit and blessing and consequence of what God was doing in Dave's life in that one simple decision to journey with God and to leave everything that he knew 
a career that was already forming right before his eyes, to take a step of faith and trust in God. And so many, so many of your lives have been indeed changed and impacted in such a marvelous way. Where are you in your life's journey? And will you remember the promises of God even as we see him working in one man's life as God calls us to continue on or maybe for the first time to journey with him? After several months of uprooting, um, we had started a Bible study this past summer as God was working in my heart to think about starting a new church out in the northern suburbs of Chicago. We had not sold our place yet. Uh, I was facing uh, not having a ministry. We were facing not having a home church. We were facing, for me, unemployment. We had just given birth to our son. We weren't sure where we were going to live. It was a terrifying time uh, in so many ways for me and my family. It was really amazing that as we sensed that God was indeed calling us to make some hard decisions in our lives. We had just finished uh, a series, a nine-week series on uh, uh, the gospel. And um, at the end of that last Bible study, uh, I looked at my phone, and we had just received a reasonable offer uh, on our place after uh, almost 10 months of trying to sell this little condominium in the city. Soon afterward, as we um, wanted to really be in the community, uh, we rented an apartment, moved there quickly. Uh, Kathy decided to actually quit her job of 11 years, and soon after, one of her sister's friends called and said there was an opening uh, at Abbott Labs just about 10 minutes from where we were wanting to plant a church in Vernon Hills, and just on a whim, she said, I'll just apply. And we found out that she got the job. God was providing for us step by step. Dave invited us to come aboard Harvest and enjoy being a lay person. And, oh, it's been good. It's been really good. To have a new home church, to meet new friends, to see how God is providing for us step by step. It's really been an amazing experience these uh, past several months for our family as we have seen God call us into a deeper journey with him. And every step of the way, he overwhelmingly meets us in a way that blows us away in the way in which he shows his love, his care, and his desire for us to ultimately trust him. And I pray that wherever you guys might be at in your lives and the things that you're going through, that you would be encouraged to know that this is the kind of God that loves us and is calling us into relationship with him, a call to journey, a journey that he has already accomplished for us in the person of his son. We will finish it no matter what because of what he has done for us. May we continue to journey by faith as we follow after him. Please join me in a word of prayer. Our gracious Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as a body, as a community, as a people of faith, as spiritual descendants of Abraham who have trusted in the true God and have learned to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, only you know uh, the depth of the journeys and the individual stories and the lives 
that are represented in this room of both, both sorrow and joy. We thank you, Lord, that you've reminded us that you do not just cause an event in our lives when we come to know you for the first time and leave us all alone, but you are passionate for our lives to journey with you day by day in every area of our lives. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the call that you have given to us in our lives. We thank you that you provided all things for us. And as we continue to journey with you, Lord, to the last day of our lives, we pray, Father, that you will remind us of that desire you have for us to let go of our false trusts and to be transformed by the power of your gospel. We pray for anyone here that has not begun that journey yet, but has thought about it and is sitting here this morning, scared, frightened, even skeptical. We pray that we would look to the one who made the greatest journey for us from heaven to earth and to die upon a cross, that we would know that this is the kind of God that desires to journey in our lives. May you strengthen us, encourage us. May you use this congregation powerfully to impact a world that is dying to know what journey they should be on in life. Use Pastor Dave and the staff here and the leaders and all the members to make a great impact here in this community. We thank you so much and commit everything to you, Lord, in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.